<laughs> Love to come to Chicago. Just just today, something mind blowing happened in my life, guys. That um, I was on Best Christian Memes, and they they showed the Chicago Bulls logo, and they said if you turn it around, it looks like an alien reading the Bible. Okay. <laughs> hold that. Hold that. Dude. Uh, do you guys have a group that I can mind. search it right now? You know, I want to be part of that group. Mind. Yes. The first rule of the group is to not talk about the group. <laughs> it blew my mind, man. I was like, "What?" Yes. Oh my. Uh, Hold on. Chicago Bulls, man. Chicago Bulls logo. You turn it upside down, dude. You see it? Wow. All right. Oh yep. come on, yeah, Rich. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, the two eyes that uh, cartoon <laughs> robots. You see it? <laughs> Nostrils are the eyes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to This is Calvary. This is a place to find encouragement, camaraderie, and practical steps for spiritual engagement during this season that we're calling a fellowship desert. Today, we will continue our conversation with Joe, Jason, and Rich. Hey, this is Rich Bonham, uh, Calvary-supported missionary now for 20 years, living in Frankfurt, Germany. Hey, Calvary, this is Joe Lebanager, one of your missionaries living and serving here in Frankfurt, Germany. Hey, this is Jason Lim. I'm a church planter here in Frankfurt, and also I work as church planting leader for Greater Your Mission. Hello, guys. How are you? Doing hey. great. Doing well. Doing well. Glad to be back. Well, thank you guys again for uh, continuing this conversation uh, with us and uh, the gospel leading into a multicultural church. And um, I think we asked this uh, last time that we were together, but um, I just want to start with, you know, bold, straight question. Um, why a multicultural church? And yeah, why is that relevant for us today? Go for it, Jeff. Everyone's looking at me. All right. <laughs> Let me give it a shot. I think um, I would give three answers. One would probably be more a a reaction to a social the social situation. Mm-hmm. One would be in alignment with the kingdom direction. And thirdly, it would be because of the gospel. So it's almost like I'm prepared. No, I've just had a bunch of these conversations. So, um, I think first of all, I would say, you know, we live we live in an increasingly globalized world. Like just just Frankfurt, for example, more than half of the population here is um, it's got it comes from an from an immigrant background. So um, there's as as we prepare people for ministry here and church planting, we tell them especially when you think about youth ministry, it's not so much an option anymore, especially in the urban areas, whether you want to do multicultural uh, ministry or not. You're exposed to so many different cultures. Our, um, our world is just being um, affected by globalization. There's so many different cultures you're exposed to. And so I think it would be strange if a church is trying to reach a multicultural society, multicultural city, and not being multicultural themselves. So that would be probably more of a practical reason. I think uh, we have to think about church more multicultural because our surrounding is increasingly multicultural. And the second reason I would say is that I think it's not really a new idea. Mm-hmm. Something that just not too long ago has, has really impacted me again is that when, you, when we look, 
when we think about the church, we have to think about Pentecost. And we, we think about Pentecost, we do have to think about the Tower of, is it Tower of Babel? Is that English? Babel. 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 Sorry. The Tower of Babel. You're close. So those two stories, there's a lot of peril to them. You know, God mm. coming down in one, he, he disperses. And in the other, he, he unites. And the, the interesting thing is the reason he disperses them in Genesis 11 is because they're trying to create a uniform community apart from God. Mm. And then he disperses oh, them. And in the very next chapter, Genesis 12, he then calls Abraham and calls him to be a blessing uh, that, you know, through Abraham, the blessing will come to all nations. So he immediately begins a story, not of a uniform, you know, uniform community apart from God, but actually a united community, uh, you know, through and within God. Mm -hmm. And I would say we could go through the whole rest of the story of how that unfolded and how that remains Sorry, the storyline and the direction that simply that's the king that the that is where the kingdom is headed. We could go, you know, be it, um, uh, um, you know, people like Rahab, Ruth, who gets a whole book named after, her, although she's not an Israelite. Uh, Uriah, who you know shows much more upright and integer uh, character compared to King David. And then we move all the way, you know, Jesus' ministry saying there's no bigger faith than that of a Roman soldier in all of Israel. You know, mm-hmm. him um, speaking, his parable of the of the Samaritan, but also speaking to the Samaritan woman and all that. And then it all leads to obviously um, Pentecost, you know, and then the parallel, you can see the parallel there that, that God now comes down and he, he immediately forms a, a united but multicultural and diverse community within him. And that takes sort of direction for the rest of, of acts, but then even beyond that, it all finds this finds it, its climax in Revelation 7, 9, where you have this big multicultural community from all different sorts of cultures and backgrounds joined together in worship of God. Interestingly enough, you know, the cultural distinctions remain apparently the way John sees it, but they're united. So they're not uniform, they're united. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way the direction is going. And I think it was, one theologian put it this way, this is the way the kingdom is headed and we can either be part of it already or um, we'll have to be part of it in the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, I really feel this is God's heart. Uh, the You see it in Jesus when he talks in Matthew 25 uh, about the end times. And he says, for uh, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And the word for there for stranger is actually foreigner. Uh, people that are different. Uh, and Jesus's heart uh, for now to reach out to all people, uh, no matter who they are, no matter what culture or their background, no matter uh, suffering or not, uh, to include them in together and to reach out to them. Yeah, I was uh, at a seminary just a couple of days ago, and we had this discussion with the, with the students there, you know, why multicultural church? And uh, we had a friend along, a missionary with IMB, and he, at the end, just said, you know, that the goal is not to be a multicultural church. The goal is to to proclaim and live out the gospel. Hmm. But if you do live out and proclaim the gospel, then it automatically leads to a multicultural church. Because if, if the gospel really is foundational and at the center of what we believe, meaning that we were so estranged and estranged from God, and despite that, he still loved us to death and gave us new life and, and reconciled us to him. If that is the foundation of our faith, then in us meeting other people that are less different than we were different to God, how, how are we not shaped and driven by that same love? Why would it not lead to, you know, 
a multicultural community. If if we're if we love the same way we were loved so sacrificially, why would it not lead to multicultural church? That would be the question. I'm th as you guys are talking, I'm thinking about how uh, when I I've had the process of um, like thinking faith is kind of like a mental exercise, and then realizing no, it actually has to do with all senses and like even like a very embodied. Um, rhythms and like how our rhythms changes our brain chemistry, which changes how we relate to God. Like it's just a very whole human thing. Um, and as you're talking about multicultural <clears throat> environment where different people are coming with different, kind of like different uh, variations and shades and like, uh, you know, different rhythms of being human. It's so neat to think about how an embodied Jesus <laughs> came for, like he was fully embedded in the culture of Israel and yet extending out to other cultures and we can all find our embodied selves um, like fully through the culture we grew up in and like appreciating and learning mm. others flavors of being human I don't know I'm I'm catching the vision with you you're you're doing a good job <laughs> no I think I think that's absolutely right I think we need to maintain that you know when a syrian becomes a christian he remains a syrian yes but he's then yes. not he's not a syrian christian he's a christian syrian there's a mm. there's a vital difference there that his primary identity is in christ mm. and that means he's actually more closely connected to people that also believe in jesus but are from a different culture more closely connected to them in christ than he has to people of his own culture that's the primary you know connection and identity he has and so one has to govern the other, but he still remains a Syrian. I was at a conference once and we're talking about multicultural vision and one guy gets up and he's like, yes, well, you know, when people become Christian, there's no culture anymore. We're just all, the, it's just a Jesus culture. I'm like, that's, that's not true. <laughs> you know, a Japanese <laughs> Christian will be Japanese or a Christian yeah. Japanese will, will remain Japanese. Um, and that's good. You know, we see that with John in, in Revelation, those, this, that distinction remains, but it's actually, it makes the picture that much more beautiful yeah the call is to unity not to uniformity exactly. or that everyone must be the same in fact you know god celebrates the different gifts uh the different cultures uh and what they can all bring to expanding the kingdom of god now this is this is awesome and and jason i i just want to go back a little bit in something that you said and and along the lines that um so being in a group with people from different cultures and same room with people from different cultures, does that make us a uh, make us a you know multicultural church? No. Yeah. So I think the way I like to put it, and we use our church name for that, which is mosaic. And so a mosaic is not because we throw colorful stones, you know, into one pile. It does not automatically make it a mosaic. Mm -hmm. Um. But you actually need an artist that then takes these stones and puts them together and creates a masterpiece, creates an art piece mm. that then reflects his creativity. And, you know, uh, people look at the art piece and they don't, you know, they don't celebrate the stones necessarily, but they're like, wow, this is so beautiful. And it, it says something about the artist and it depicts and really, you know, conveys who he is. And I would say multicultural church is similar like that. You need an artist, which is Jesus Christ. And through the gospel, he connects us and brings us together. And that means we're not only reconciled to him, we're reconciled to each other. There's a, there's needs to be a, a relationship to each other in that community. So 
if if we're just parallel to each other, you know, next to each other in one room, that doesn't automatically mean we're, you know, we might be beautiful looking stones all piled up together in one room, but that doesn't automatically mean that we've been brought together, reconciled to each other through Christ. But I don't, I always tell people we don't plant multicultural churches because it's easy. <laughs> like, you know, but the road to the cross was not easy. You know, mm. that Jesus took on himself for me. So yeah. I, I don't want, I don't want easy. I want more beautiful and more, mm. more gospel like, more Christ like. Mm. And um, yeah, because obviously it, it brings all sorts of, uh, of things with each. Uh, I mean, it all brings all sorts of misunderstanding and potential for conflict and, um, you know, a lot of a lot of things to watch out for. It's not an add-on, as someone said. You know, you actually have to change how you do everything. You know, the way you think about leadership, the way you think about preaching, the way you think about prayer meetings, mm -hmm. the way you mm -hmm. think about everything has to change and is affected by that. And that's it can be very uncomfortable, you know, because you deep community costs individually. Like, I have to. There's a price I pray individually for the collective and i think that price mm. is probably higher with people that are very unlike me but on the other hand i think that's the gain of it really so i would say the 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 problem with it is actually what makes it so beautiful is as a friend of mine he's from cameroon planning a church here in the neighboring city and he told me once you know jason if i want deep community with people that are like me my age my my interests uh, my my sort of my kind of people uh, my culture and all that. If I want deep community with them, I don't. I don't need Jesus for that. Like you know, we get along fine. But if I want to have deep community with people that are different, that you know, cook different, and what they cook smells different, and they like different things, and they celebrate differently, and they think differently, their whole worldview is different. Then that's not a natural community. It's a supernatural community. Hmm, it it needs on. Jesus. So I would argue that nothing strengthens me and my identity in Christ so much as being part of a community where all we have in common really is that identity in Christ. No, that's 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 uh, useful. Um, in any in any group, you know, uh, in any church, and I'm thinking about a multicultural church, and uh, I don't know what are the realities in your own ch uh, churches, but there is always going to be a um, a majority group within within that community. How do we, <clears throat> and just for our listeners and thinking about our church, um, how do we help our listeners to understand um, some of those dynamics and, and what is the, you know, how do you implement that kingdom culture where not a, it is not led by a majority or the majority group? Like, um, yes, how does it look like in, 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 in practice, like to leave that out? I think you mentioned some of those elements, you know, um, that uh, reflect uh, <clears throat> within the church, the multicultural church. How does it? How does it have to look? Uh, and how preaching and all those other things, you know, are a reflection of that, you know, multicultural aspect. But um, when you have a majority groups or a majority group within uh, the multicultural church, how do you navigate that? Uh, what is the? Um, how does the culture look like uh, in the church? I'll take a stab at that. I, I think the. Uh uh, when you have a majority culture, uh, one terminology that sometimes is used is a, a mono-multicultural church. In other words, uh, there is typically a, a predominant culture. Uh, in Germany, it would be Germans. Uh, mm -hmm. the, um, and 
uh, I think the majority culture needs to especially take uh, ownership of the need to um, become an intercultural church. Uh, and it could be uh, doing things for the minority cultures that enables them to thrive even more within the culture. Uh, could be like recent immigrants coming in and helping them with the immigrant process through things that, that may not know. Um, be very intentional of raising up leaders uh, from different cultures uh, within them. And also, I think there's, for all cultures, but especially the majority culture, to recognize that that uh, majority culture, everyone has blind spots and to, and to realize that in order to learn what those blind spots are, you really have to have mm. trusted relationships with other cultures to help identify those. Because by definition, a blind spot is you don't know. You don't know what your blind spot is unless someone shows you. So to develop those trusted relationships with other cultures to enable you to see your blind spots and how to move forward. Another aspect of this too, I think is real important is humility. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the, um, you cannot uh, do this without being humble with one another. Uh, and we all know that that's a core attribute uh, of, of that Christ wants for all of us, core attribute of Jesus himself. Uh, and with the opposite of that being pride. And if there is pride in place, this, this won't happen. So the, there is a need to have genuine humility in the process, uh, genuine openness and listening. Uh, and I think that's actually a core attribute uh, that's needed for anyone approaching um, intercultural churches. And honestly, it's for anyone living out the Christian life as well. Mm. Um, because you really can't live to the listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit without humility. Yeah, I'm. I would add that you know I absolutely agree. I would add that. You know, I had I had to immediately think of you know you know love the sojourners because you were sojourners yourself. So so love the stranger because you were strangers from God, uh, and the the aspect of hospitality, which you know in the Greek, interestingly enough, means you know, xenophileo, which is to, loving the stranger, is hospitality. And that's the responsibility of the the local culture, that they are the ones welcoming in mm. the people we can't expect others to. You know, it's like me inviting someone over to my house and then expecting him to host me, which is weird because it's my home. <laughs> so it, the responsibility yeah. falls on me. And I think the, the last thing I would add maybe with the majority culture is that we, we oftentimes think the hurdle is for us to get to know the other culture that that'll probably be. And I would, you know, that's, that's an important step to take to really get to know someone else's culture. But I think what, uh, what one person once said is this was a German, a German once said, you know, Germans often don't realize how German they are. So I think we need mm -hmm. to learn about our own culture and realize how much of our thinking is actually you know, our own culture and we don't realize it. And we use our own culture as sort of the normative spot. And we think, you know, this is zero and everything that, you know, is different to it is, is different, but maybe, you know, we're different too. We're just as different to them as they are different to us. Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to throw you a curveball because I'm a stories junkie. I want to hear like a moment, like drop us in a moment in time where you felt like either you were humbled by like realizing 
um, that there was a cultural difference that maybe you didn't realize or you weren't going in with assumptions on? Or I would love to hear like just like a challenge that you've experienced in having relationships cross-culturally. Um, I know this is a little bit of a hot seat question, but anyone want to go for it? I'll take the hot seat. So first of all, I kind of want to answer a little bit of the last question. You know, we're talking about like, how do we incorporate other cultures into a majority culture in the context of church? And I think it's really important for North American listeners. Our, our mentality and our mindset is Sunday morning, right? We're thinking about how do we make a worship service more multicultural? But I would... I would go deeper and I would say, how do we make Monday through Saturday more multicultural? Mm. How are we hanging out with people? How are we sharing life with people Monday through Saturday? Preach it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, I think we're so often like trying to figure out how do we make our, our worship service? Like, how do we make the songs more diverse? But it's like, how do I go hang out with my, my Indian neighbor or my Syrian neighbor? or my black neighbor or whatever it is, like, how do I go over there and invest in their lives? You know, you're talking about, Jason, you're talking about hospitality to the sojourner, that's sharing life, that's Lebensteilen. That's that's our our tagline, as it were, in uh, Mosaic Nordweststadt. It's, it's to share life, because that's really where the gospel happens so often, is in that tension, in the challenge of sharing life, of walking alongside one another, um, and so I would say that um, making church more multicultural doesn't have to be super complicated. It's a very simple thing in one sense. I mean, of course, it's complicated, but it's also simple in the sense that it's about sharing life with people who are not like us. Um, and that can be as simple as going to the grocery store with somebody or watching somebody's kids. Like you're asking for practical ways to do this. Like go over to your neighbor's house and ask them like, hey, is there anything I can do to help you out? Is there, is there anything that I can, you know, like you want to come over to my barbecue on Saturday like when Rona's over, right? Like simple stuff like that. Um, what was the other question? I, I had that thought I needed. A, yeah. A quick story about how cultures are different. I don't know. Like what are the challenges of multicultural living? We had this like Eritrean family that got <laughs> an entire kitchen and like furniture from Ikea Right. I think, were they Eritrean? Yeah. Ikea. Yeah. Translation, yes. Ikea. Yeah, Ikea. I, I, <laughs> sorry. Kidding. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, actually, uh, no, Ikea no. in Spanish. Yeah, so. No, I thought it was Ethiopian. Yeah, okay. So there's this Ethiopian family, right? And they get, they get a new kitchen. They get like all of the furniture they need for their, for their apartment. They're flat, as we say. <laughs> They're Vonung, oder? Yeah, Vonung. And um, they... They opened up every single one of the like screw and um, bolt packets, like everything to just kind of see if it was all there. Like, and this is an entire kitchen. Can you guys hear us? Yes. We just, just, I'm picturing everything. (laughs) Okay. So they, so they opened, they, they opened every single thing up for an entire kitchen. Like you're, building it's a more, kitchen. It was more than a kitchen, right? It was, it was several more than things a kitchen. That, it was also their room. New apartment. Just. It was an entire new apartment. And like, you know how Ikea stuff is? Like, it's it's a nightmare to begin with if you don't keep it organized and structured. And then they called us and they were like, hey, we want you to help out like putting this <laughs> oh. together because we, we don't know how to do it. 
and this is the gospel, right? Like it's messy and it's complicated and you have to figure it out. It's a puzzle. Yeah. There's right? screws all over the apartment. There's screws all over the place. You don't know what you're doing. Some screws are missing because they just decided to add a, a, a couple other on, screws. Dude, they just added go. a couple other screws. You're not going to strengthen this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So let's just use some more screws for this one. Yeah. Totally. This is not good and promotion for IKEA right now, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep things in the boxes. <laughs> but this yeah. is, we're not sponsored. We should be for all this stuff. Yeah. But this Very is what it's like stepping, here. this is what it's like stepping into a multicultural um, environment. Yeah. So we had these, these Eritrean women come and cook for us once. And we asked them, like, can you come and like cook this very oh, um, wow. typical Eritrean food? Yeah. In Jetta. Oh, so they cook in Jetta for us. And, uh, you know, we invited all these people from our neighborhood. Hey, you want to learn how to make injera? Come on. And so they all came, you know, it takes a couple of days of prep, like with yes. sourdough and stuff. Yeah. And, and then they started make, making it. And we got all these people involved. There was, a, there was a, you know, like a multicultural community that came together. And we started helping to, to cut, you know, thousands of onions, it felt oh. like. <laughs> <laughs> and the tears. Yeah. <laughs> uh, onions. And, and then um, we started it. So they told me, we originally had said 10, 10 a.m. And uh, and then they told me the day before, actually, we should probably start at 9 is better. And I was like, yeah, sure, 9 is fine. I still didn't tell anyone because I I, I knew. Because you knew. They still come at 10, like, you know, yeah. so we just stick with 10. And they did just come at 10. Hmm. And, and, and then, you know, all these people started showing up. And then like, around 2 p.m., like, the first people left. And they kept asking, like, hey, you know, when are we actually going to eat this? Like, we're not eating this food. And uh, I asked the Eritrean woman, like, you know, when are we, when, when are we eating it? And she gave a very simple answer when it's done. Like that's <laughs> when you eat, right? That's the time yeah. to eat. The time to eat is when the food is done. Oh you don't gosh. eat before that. That's yeah. how, that's how their clock works. And so start, people started, you know, going because they had other things to do on that Saturday. I mm. blocked my whole Saturday. I knew this is going into this. This is a whole day thing, mm -hmm. right? And I think at four or four thirty, we had lunch. Wow. Yeah, that's when we ate the food. What presents? And they were so confused and they were so sad. They're like, "Oh, all these people that help, they don't get to eat it now. Where did they go?" Like mm. I was like, "Yeah, they had other things to do." And that was such yeah. a fun like cultural moment because just the way you you think about time and how you plan your day. There was a Moroccan guy told me once. You know, he lived with us for a couple of weeks. And he, he was from Morocco um, and came to Germany to study. And he's like, you know, Jason, um, well, he doesn't call me Jason. Never mind. You know, Jason, um, I, I've never made an appointment with a friend in my life. I'm like, what do you mean you've never made? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you don't have friends. He's like, no, no I have friends. <laughs> he's like, I've just never made an appointment. Like, I make appointments for like, you know, city hall or like, you know, some sort of office you have to go to. But yeah. with my friends... Like, we don't do that. I'm like, how do you meet? He's like, well, I just leave the house, you know, and I go to the, the, the usual hangout places. I know where they at. And then we just see how the day unfolds. And I, I was like, no, in Germany, everyone's got a schedule. Every hour is planned. And uh, we all make appointments with everyone and everything. Do you collect mm -hmm. like mental cliff notes of like what countries are like that? Or is there a shorthand that you can kind of use? Like, like I'm thinking like warm culture, cold culture, like generalizations or like how do you go into that or are you just constantly you collecting just, you just i mean our worship service never started when our worship service was supposed to start <laughs> we never started you know i wrote about this so one of one of the things that our our church does 
um, is when we have our worship service, we kind of intentionally start late. And that's a way to honor uh, majority minority cultures in our community. And also and say, hey, we're we're not so strict that yeah. you can't show up a little bit late and <laughs> we've already started. So we value the relationship and the community and we want you to just be here. And then when we all get together, then we're going to start. Yeah, but we can't start too late. Sure. Because there's some Germans that are like, you know, it's a balance. Yeah, and yeah, I would say balance. like. You're, you're asking like do you keep cliff notes i think the key is flexibility yeah like you got to be flexible you got to be ready to just meet the different challenges that present themselves yeah you're not driven by what you do but why you do it come on come there on there you go and i think everyone within <laughs> a multicultural environment audio they fist bumped yes we just yeah. fist bumped <laughs> everyone within a multicultural environment needs to give you know it, it's your uh, it's not about one particular culture, but it's about the community that it's created. Uh, and it actually it reminds me, just yesterday I was reading at the end of Acts, and just a beautiful story of the early church. And and they were hanging out with each other day by day, uh, eating food in one another's homes. And so the this community aspect is, as Joe was talking about, is so important uh, to really get to know one another, make friends with one another, uh, to be a community together. thinking about when they're describing the stories. I don't know how is it for you, but I I see those images and I see the Eritrean women just spilling onions and Jason crying and people leaving. <laughs> um, you know, how was the food at the end? I mean, I'm pretty sure the food was amazing. Oh, it was it was amazing. It, I mean, we were all very tired, but it was it was so much fun. Um, you know, really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, we had a similar experience of uh a couple Iranian ladies that uh, were making food for actually a, a, a fairly good-sized conference that we're having of, of Iranian believers from around the country coming together. And they would pull in different people from their community. And, and my wife, Carol, went out with them and shopping. And it's just such organic, too. Oh, we need a little of this, we need a little of that. And then in the kitchen, they just kind of pull things together. And, and it would, ended up just fantastic. Uh, Everyone that was there just really loved it, but it wasn't um, following necessarily a formula. And people just chipped in. They, they, you know, it was a community effort, really. Yes, I think the key to multicultural church is food. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say community, just, but food's good too. <laughs> nope, it's just food. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. I mean, I mean, it's but bringing it's, people together around yes. something. I mean, look, look at Jesus. Yeah. Revelation is it two? I don't remember exactly how he says. I'm I'm standing here knocking at your door on your heart or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then if you let me in, I'll come in and I'll have a like I'll have a meal with you. That's you know that's Jesus imagery, and let's embody that. That he he came and ate with us. He invited him us to his table. Yeah. So that was always my question: Who are we eating with? Considering uh, who was able to. Where's our Zacchaeus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Okay. One more kind of boots on the ground question is like, okay, this season probably looks way different for you. How, what does trying to lead and like flourish in a multicultural church look like during the season of Rona? <laughs> like, how do you, what's your day to day look like right now? Oh, it's, oh man. We pray a lot for wisdom. 
<laughs> generally, but with Corona that much more, I mean, Corona is such a cultural issue. I mean, it's not a cultural issue, but the way people react to Corona, yeah. the way people handle Corona, that's that's a beautiful way to tell people, you feel that? You feel that? that I always tell people, you know, that sense of, like when you when you can see the frown on their face or that like why like why would someone do this why are they doing it like this why that's culture you feel that that's your culture right there and so um i mean we have people from china you know in our church and they they're boggled like they don't understand why people don't stick to the rules that the government tells them and then we have people who are like freedom loving you know it's like it's like, you know, you can't tell me what to do. It's, it's you know, when you have very individualistic and collective cultures brought together, um, I always call them gospel arenas, you know. It's mm-hmm. a gospel arena. And it's time for you to show what, what the foundation and, and core of your church is all about. Mm-hmm. So a lot of wisdom uh, navigating that in the different, and I would say each one of our house churches, so we're, we're very house church-based, um, has to deal with that differently. And so trying to come alongside the house church pastors and, and try to help them navigate their cult, their own cultural, um, you know, subgroup of how they can, can deal with that. It's, it's, it's not easy. Yep. I'll just tell you what our house, Kisha, our house church is doing uh, practically. So every single morning we meet together at 7 a.m. and we just pray together for 15 minutes. And it does, I mean, like, that's not a long period of time when it's, you know, five, six people. Yeah. You can spare a minute for me though. We'll spare a minute for <laughs> anybody who asks, but no, it's just, I, I mean, it's just a way to like stay connected. Cause I think that that's the big challenge during Corona is the connection piece. Um, and then like, I've started doing this thing where um, like, I'm trying to trying to do like game nights, virtual game nights. So like last night we did like a virtual game night where we played um, just like a board game over the internet. And that was super cool. And what I think board game? seven people, it's called the crew, the crew, the crew, the crew, the crew. Yeah. It is a French game. It's a crew. <laughs> no, 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 it's called the crew. Um, and you can play it online. And if you guys want to join us sometime, I'll yeah, shoot you join a us. But no, I think, yeah, it's just important to continue fostering community and staying connected and finding creative ways to do that. And it's that sense of intentionality that we have to kind of drive with, right? Like we can't just hope that things work for the best. We really have to show up and, and yeah. Yeah. And have a sort of servant mentality of, you know, depending on who you hang out with, how, how are they thinking about you? You try to ask like, how, how do you feel about Corona? And then if they're more fearful, then you try to respect that. And if they're like, no, that's fine. Then you're like, okay, maybe we meet, but you, you know, it's very, you got to be very flexible and adjusting to it. So right now in Germany for November, there's like only two households are allowed to meet. And so um, I wrote the leaders and said, look, the government is encouraging us to live one-on-one discipleship relationships. <laughs> and so let's do that. Let's, instead of meeting as a house church group, split up into house, two households and just meet one-on-one or two households reading the Bible together. So that's what we're currently doing. Uh, and so trying to stay connected through that. For our church listeners, um, over the past couple of months, we've been been having conversations with uh, Joe, with Jason, and uh, with Rich, and about um, partnership, 
opportunities for us, the church, as you know, is one of the things that I oversee here at Calvary. And uh, this year, you know, we've been blessed in so many ways by our partners and what they represent and the opportunities they bring to the church. And um, before we get into that, um, I'm going to ask you guys uh, just to help the church to connect and understand a little bit more about your ministry. You were mentioning, you know, house churches and um, uh, in, in the city of Frankfurt. Um, so um, maybe you guys can just share um, about the vision with Mosaic and the vision that God has given you, uh, how that was started. And yes, just give us a little bit of uh, feedback about that. And, and also in connection with this unique opportunity that we have as a church to partner with you into what God is doing in Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah. So um, we started the church plan five years ago. My wife and me um, moved into a very diverse and multicultural neighborhood. We'd already been with, with a multicultural church plan before that. We've We'd already had sort of, you know, a heart for it. You know, my wife was born and raised in Bangladesh. I was, I'm half Korean, half German born, not born, but raised in Thailand. And so our hearts for different cultures have always been sort of at the, at the heart of it. I always say like multicultural, the multicultural vision, vision was our biography and, you know, became our ministry and has shaped our theology. Mm-hmm. I remember the very first time we moved into the neighborhood there's a turkish market there and um my my wife went to check it out and she came back home and i was like hey how was it and she was like oh it was great i was the only foreigner there i was like no no honey like <laughs> you're german like but she was so in that mindset of you know <laughs> that she's she was in the foreign country and she loved it but i was like no no this is actually germany and you're german and they were all not german and she's like oh yeah she was so used to it as a marriage missionary kid that was pretty funny wow and so we, we immediately obviously had the, the multicultural vision at heart of our church plan. But the other side was it, and Joe touched on that a little bit, was mm. that we, we wanted to, um, especially with a neighborhood with so many religious people, that immediately when they hear church or Christians, you know, they think in building and they think in, in events. And we wanted to reemphasize or emphasize and bring people to the understanding that church is not uh, building, not an event. Being a Christian mm. is not what you do Sundays. It's a daily life that you live. And we wanted to share that as a community. Yeah. So as people join our church, there's actually uh, constantly people moving into our neighborhood because they're realizing, oh, if I want to be part of this church, I need to live here like because they're constantly hanging out and I'm missing out on all these things. And so more and more people are moving into our neighborhood. And so really what we want to be is a community that is a blessing to our neighbors. And um, so we, we have house churches, we have seven house churches, and we have a five-year goal that we want to see those house churches multiplied in the next five years, but also us as a church. So we've taken in two church planting trainees now, and we're actually doing this as part of a network regionally where we're helping churches take in trainees and train them to then be sent out. And then as they plant their church, they will then take in a trainee themselves and train them and send them out. And so we're really pushing for a church multiplication with the vision of of being of you know growing more and more multicultural churches here in the region because um the spiritual need really is great and that's as like an umbrella all the house churches are called mosaic or do they each have so our yeah so no our house churches are our our seven house churches form sort of one church okay so we want to multiply those house churches but we also want other churches to to grow out of that so maybe one of the house churches so we put our trainees as house church pastors into a house church and 
we encourage them to then after two years take the whole house church with them to plant some in the neighboring uh, part of the town so yeah so we have five sort of dna factors or characteristics of a house churches one is that they're multicultural obviously uh, uh, and they all are and two is that they're missional Mm-hmm. And so it's not just for by Christians for Christians or something like that, but actually all of our house churches have people in them that that don't believe in Christ and they just love the community and they're open to it maybe, uh, and some just come and hang out and some just come because they want to learn German. There's very different mm-hmm. motivations of why they're part of a house church. Uh, the third one is that they share life, mm-hmm. so it's not just a, a one meeting a week kind of thinking. Like when someone in our in my hearing vicinity says. Oh, is there house church today? Like they 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 will usually correct themselves before I can, and uh, because we've done that so often that we say no, house church is not today. House church is every day. That's what you are. <laughs> yeah. You might meet yeah. the house church church meeting is today, but you're still a house church beyond that. So they share life, um, and then fourthly, they um, they are gospel centered because we believe that is really. Um, what's required as foundationally for for them to be missional and be multicultural and share life is mm. is grown out of that. And fifthly, they are multi they multiply. So we want each of the house churches once they grow to become ten, they then um, multiply to two house churches of five. And so um, so they're intentional about that early on, trying to bring in a co leader and um, multiplying that house church. I heard something cool that was like. Those that kind of hold the language, control the narrative, and I think or kind of write the narrative. And one of the narratives mm. we're trying to write with calling um, house kishas exactly that instead of a small group is because we want, and this is something that I struggled with coming from a North American context, we, we need to remember that church is not just on Sunday morning, like it's happening all the time. Mm. And when you really have that paradigm shift in your mind, you start to live totally differently. You really do. You start to think like, how can I engage, you know, on the daily instead of just on Sunday? And it, it kind of encompasses and creates in you a missional, um, a, a missional impetus, I would say. And so, yeah, like that's what I'm doing here is, is I'm just trying to be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> can i say that yes and i just get to do that full time and and so like Allie's in mind role sure we're doing multiple things but like at the base of what we're trying to do we're trying to share life we're trying to walk alongside people we're trying to keep the gospel at the center we're trying to be multiplication in our, in our nature and um multicultural and it's hard and it's and it's wonderful and it's it's what it's all about it feels so wholehearted, not seamless, but like wholehearted and integrated and beautiful. Hey, Jason, I'm wondering if um, maybe you can describe for us a little bit, what does it mean to be gospel centered? Because I think that's such a critical part. And, and sometimes I don't think we always recognize what does that mean to be gospel centered? Is it just about, you know, understanding that Christ died for our sins? Or is it more to it than that? Oh, thank you. Episode three. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're pushing the right buttons with me. So I would say the way I understand gospel-centeredness is that um, we have to ask ourselves when Jesus talks about, you know, how are we to how we are to forgive each other. The basis of that is mm. that, he, you know, he's forgiven us. 
when he when Paul talks about how are we to interact with one another, how are we to behave towards one another, the basis of that is, you know, how did God uh, behave towards us? If when Peter talks about suffering, uh, he mentions, you know, the way Jesus has suffered for us and how that shapes us, how we suffer. When Paul talks about in Second Corinthians 8, you know, how do you spend your money, your generosity, then he mentions the generosity of Christ, how he was rich but became poor. So really what we're seeing in the Bible is that the gospel is not something that we've put into the evangelism compartment as something that you need to understand to become a Christian. It really is the whole of Christianity, you know, as some would say, it's not the ABC, it's the A to Z of Christianity. Mm -hmm. It's not just the ticket, it's the whole train. It's not just the map, it's the whole um, system. One of, one of the things that I, I like is, you know, we say like the gospels kind of, um, what do you call it? Like where two things meet, what is that called? Intersection. Intersection of all hum, human history is the cross, right? And when you think about what Jesus did with the cross, like, and if we're saying this is the gospel, Jesus picked up the cross in obedience to the father, but also for his fellow man. And I think that that's also what it means to be gospel centered in a way is it's we're headed towards God, of course, but then we're also kind of serving and caring and loving man at the same time. It's this movement towards God, but also doing this with, with our fellow man in, in view. So I set Jason up on that a little bit in Joe, because I know that that's something as a North American, we don't often fully understand, uh, and as Christians in general, but, but this gospel centered is so critical to, to all of this, because it really is all about, uh, living our life as Jesus would desire us to abiding in him, loving him, loving others, uh, being obedient to all he's commanded us to. So it's such a, a central core. Uh, and if we don't get that, it all falls apart. So all these are very critical elements. Mm. Uh, and it's not about performance, uh, but it's about really living in uh, Christ and and how that's uh, lived out among others. Yeah, everything is a gospel issue. Yeah. Totally. making himself known to you in this time yeah the the first thing i thought of was uh through multicultural community i mean mm. really as you live day to day with people from church and i tell people like no there's no day that goes by that i don't hang out with people from my church and so that means i'm surrounded by both the enchantress and the beauty of the beauty and the beast Do you know that movie I always think like, you know, Christian community should be both the enchantress at the beginning of the movie and the beauty at the end of the movie. Hmm. And because, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but, um, you know, the prince in that movie in the beginning, he's arrogant. He's, you know, he doesn't want to help this old poor woman that comes to his palace. And so um, what we usually say is, you know, she turns him into the beast, which she really doesn't. She just brings out what's already inside him. Hmm. He's a monster. And that's made visible to everyone else. Mm. And I think that's what community, Christian community does. It brings the monster that's in me out, <laughs> makes mm, yeah. it visible. 
Wow. But then it, the movie doesn't stop there, but it ends actually with the beauty, you know, the beauty um, loving the monster nonetheless. And so um, that's the go- that's mm. the gospel right there. And mm. I think what community Christian community does, it, it both, you know, um, exposes the sin, but then also um, reminds of the grace mm. Mm. given. Wow. I don't even know how to follow that. Um, that was very good. The Princess and the Frog, maybe? No, I'm just The Princess kidding. and the Frog. <laughs> haven't seen it. <laughs> it's on my list. <laughs> so the question is, what, what has Jesus been revealing to us in this season? And I would say mm. the past 11 months has been a season because I just mm. moved to a new country. And yeah, I've been totally, um, totally deconstructed, I would say. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but, you know... You come, you come to places thinking that you know something or that you can do something helpful, and then you realize you're the one that knows nothing, and you need all of the help. And, you know, I had an interesting thought. Like, I really wanted to be able to, you know, share the gospel with others and just kind of like embody that in the whole sharing life thing. And I realized that by being the object of people's service, I got to do that. It <laughs> yeah. was terrible. Yeah, no, it was so awesome. wonderful. So, so like by being in such a needy position and like mm. needing people, like I was allowing God, I know like, yeah, God was able to work through them and the gospel was able to be lived out in community, even though mm. I was the one who just like totally sucked in that moment. <laughs> but yeah, like, Jesus has been revealing himself through, through my inabilities and my weakness and has been showing himself through community and the people we're around. Um, and yeah, just like the verse this year has been that, you know, Christ's power is made perfect in my weakness. That's beautiful. And, you know, it's not about what we have to offer, but it's, it's about that we have to offer Jesus. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's great. I think for me, the um, there's many things the Lord has been teaching me this year. One of the ones that's probably a, an overarching uh, is the whole area of collaboration and unity. Uh, there has been so many times this year where I've witnessed the power of, of people coming together from different perspectives for the sake of the gospel. Um, Carol and I have been setting our watches every day to 1721, a uh, reminder of John 1721. For those who don't know military time, that's 521 p.m. Uh, each day. And we just pray for unity, unity in the city, unity among brothers, because that's Jesus's prayer. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I think that's been living out more and more where I've seen people coming together with genuine interest to see the kingdom expand and setting aside uh, things that they have and after actually offering them up. Uh, so it's been a number of instances of that over the year uh, and uh, just really been blown away by the, the love that, that is characterized in and through that. Uh, and just Jesus teaching me, you know, over again, it's not about me, it's about his body mm-hmm. and his church working together to mm-hmm. see his kingdom expand. I often use the terminology of, that God is weaving a tapestry together, similar to a mosaic in a way, but but it's all of us, we may not understand all the different parts that we're playing, uh, but God is weaving us together uh, into the beauty of his kingdom. 
Thank you, guys. I'm wondering, does one of you, would one of you be willing to pray us out? Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to. Thank you. Father, thank you for this time that we've had. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for for Calvary Memorial Church and uh, the sacrificial way that uh, your church has been uh, continuing to uh, set the, the cause of your kingdom expansion uh, before her and uh, supporting the, the many missionaries around the world, uh, desire to see uh, your great commission fulfilled. We thank you, Lord, for uh, Calvary's desire in that. And pray, Father, for uh, your strengthening in and through even the words that we've shared this day, that you would enable us to be an encouragement to your church that uh, there would be many that would that would be called into a deeper relationship with you through the living that out with those of different backgrounds and and just displaying the beauty of uh, your mosaic that you uh, that you're putting together. Uh, allow us, Father, to be humble enough to listen to you, listen to one another, and be driven by your Spirit, Father, in all that we do. As we pray in Christ's name, Amen. 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 Thank you guys. It was beautiful. Thank you guys. Hey, thank, thank you. you guys. I was really encouraged just to, you know, being able to participate and just to, you know, every time that we're just describing and sharing, I was able just to kind of like seeing it somehow and just picturing it. Uh, how does it look like, especially when they were just describing all these, you know, um, uh, multicultural elements uh, from the church and how does it look for them and, but also their passion and, and you know, their calling. But I will say that one of the things that I picked along the conversation was this element of humility. And I know we talked a little bit about that. And, and you know, uh, um, I, I think that um, that's what is required from us, you know, to walk humbly before God and just connecting this to Micah 6 8 and the Marcus of the Global Church, which is our, you know, missions month theme. But I, I, I picked that element that, um, you know, uh, what is taking place in that city, you know, requires humble leaders to, to be able to, um, you know, carry it with uh, that mission. And I can see that uh, in them. I can see that in Jason, Joe, of course, and Rich, you know, um, and the way that they describe, the way they want to give glory to God also. But um, so that, that thing, that was that was beautiful to listen to. And, and I hope that for the ones that are listening right now, it will be also encouraging as we continue exploring this possible partnership with Mosaic and Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah, so I just want to invite our listeners to go to um, calvarymemorial.com slash missionsminded, uh, where we have created this landing page with different resources. So you can click on new partnerships where, you know, you might be able to see more information about uh, Mosaic. But also I want to invite you also just to check our the videos that our missionaries put together because those are very interesting subjects and um, and they're challenging our congregation in a beautiful way. The videos are 20 minutes long, uh, uh, maybe a little less than that in some uh, cases. And uh, they're very they're very good. I really enjoy watching them, and I want to encourage you to do that too. Um, yes, just go to missions uh, to calvarymorial.com slash mission-minded, and uh, you will be able to see all these resources too. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, guys.